Welcome to you, wherever you are at, whoever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments together. I do want to invite you, as you saw in the video earlier, to check out the U version. It's an absolutely great resource. Maybe you're not even a Bible reader. Well, this is a great tool that you can use to uh, uh, access some of the wonderful truths that are there. Uh, once you have it logged on or on your device or your phone, uh, you can search for reading plans uh, topically, just about any topic that interests you. You'll find uh, a plan that will guide you into God's truth uh, and how to apply it in your life. Well, I do want to say too, uh, in case you had forgotten, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And uh, I hope that you've uh, got some great plans for the moms in your life. I know we do here at the church, and we're looking forward to spending uh, that time together uh, with you, uh, with our moms. And uh, we're going to, on Mother's Day, introduce a brand new teaching series, and it's called Almost Happy. And it's going to be a, a great read through a very inspiring letter in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Philippian church. And it's filled with uh, great themes about how to find lasting joy and real contentment in the midst of life's up and downs and challenges. I hope that you will uh, gear up for that. You may even want to check out Paul's letter to the Philippians in the U version. Uh, well, this morning uh, we are in a series uh, called Find Your Family Fortune. And uh, this is based on the idea that it's always been God's intention to reveal his goodness uh, to people and into the world through families and through the relationships we have within our homes. Uh, this uh, is one of our key texts in this series. Uh, the prophet Zephaniah says, uh, speaking for God, I will gather you. And at that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. In other words, you're going to see and experience God's goodness in your home. And others are going to take note and uh, be attracted to what God is doing in you and through you. Uh, love this psalm that we've looked at uh, each week, Psalm 128, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May you live to see your children's children and peace be on God's people or be upon Israel. Well, uh, it's the belief, again, that God uh, wants to pour his goodness out in our relationships so that we can experience him and pour his goodness out to our children, our children's children, our descendants, our friends, our neighbors, and those we, we uh, influence. Well, today we come to the exciting conclusion. In fact, if you're thinking in terms of finding a fortune, uh, today is the X marks the spot uh, where the treasure is actually located. And uh, if we'll dig here, we will find that richness that God has for our marriages and our parenting and all of our family relationships. Uh, here's a truth that we'll carry into this teaching uh, this weekend. The fullness of your family 
is determined by the quality of your relationships. That makes sense, doesn't it? The, the fullness and the richness of our family fortune is determined by the quality of our relationships. But uh, here's the truth that may not be uh, quite as easily uh, grasped. That is, the quality of your relationships are always determined by the people who are in them. Well, uh, those really, uh, those are truths that stand to reason. But uh, we can neglect them. We can overlook them and think that somehow God's going to do something in us that eclipses uh, perhaps our crummy relationships or bad relationship skills. Uh, Jesus said, uh, said it like this, Matthew 12, verse 33, make a tree good and uh, its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. In other words, if you want to have good relationships that bring God's richness into our families, uh, we probably ought to work at becoming the kind of people who are good at relationships. Uh, I never forget probably uh, one of my favorite cars I ever owned. It was uh, uh, the first car I bought when I had a decent job after high school. And it was a, a vintage Triumph TR4. And uh, here's a little picture of the, the model of car was. <clears throat> and one of the things I really liked the most about this car was the interior. It had this wonderful uh, mahogany wood dash uh, sterling silver surrounding all the gauges and, uh, you know, uh, readouts on the dashboard. Uh, this car looked really cool, but the truth is it was a death trap. I remember the first time I got it out on a nice highway and I, uh, lots of curves and I thought, well, we're going to see what she can do. And uh, I accelerated into the curves and I had to fight to keep the car on the road. The suspension was so terrible in it and just about everything else mechanically and uh, you know that's kind of a picture uh, that we can uh, maybe look good on the outside maybe have a few right behaviors but if we're all messed up on the inside we're really not going to have very good relationships you know uh, here are two really big ideas uh, for Christ followers for Christians who believe that the Bible is God's word and teaches us how to live out our faith and these two big words are discipleship and sanctification. And like I said, those are kind of religious sounding words. But what they really refer to is learning from God and from Jesus how to live. And uh, not only learning how to live, but allowing his truth to transform us, to change us, and to make us into better people. And uh, here's the way I would describe discipleship and sanctification. It is God working powerfully with you to help you become someone who is great at relationships. Now, why do I say that? That discipleship and sanctification amount to God working powerfully with us to help us become people who are good at relationships. Well, it's because of what Jesus said is the greatest commandment of all that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor, love each other as we love ourselves. In fact, that, that verse below there, Galatians 5, 6, Paul says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing uh, in the final summation of things 
is that did we grow in our response to God in such a way that we became loving and good at having great relationships? And so uh, because of that, you find some amazing prayers where uh, the prayers are not that we would um, you know, do great things and uh, be impressive uh, people on the outside, but uh, the prayers dig down beneath the surface and ask God to do some amazing things on the inside of us. Uh, we, we looked at this early on in our series, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul prays this, may God himself, uh, think about that, may God himself, the God of peace or harmony and closeness and intimacy and blessing in relationships, may that God sanctify you. There's that word again, but it's, it's really set you apart. Uh, pull you away from the things that are destructive and into the things that are constructive. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. And the emphasis is on uh, every interior part. You know, it's not like that car I own that is uh, nice on the outside, but a death trap on the inside. Paul prays that God would sanctify us through and through. May your whole spirit, your whole body, and your whole soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. See, the essence of Paul's prayer is that we would be made complete in all of our interior parts. There would be uh, no part left untouched by the completeness, by the renovation, by the restoration of what God is doing. It would be like taking that classical car and uh, painstakingly retooling and rebuilding and restoring every aspect of it from the inside out. And that, that's really what this message is about, is uh, if we want to be those people who really do discover God's good fortune for our, for our marriages and our families, uh, that we really begin uh, letting him retool us from the inside out, working with us in the secret places in those inner parts of us, uh, God working powerfully to remove from us the things that are destructive and bring us into his health and his, uh, his integrity. Uh, this is God's priority. Paul says God is faithful, and he's the one who will do it, and he will complete it because he has an eye for every detail that needs his touch. You know, uh, oftentimes and I'm guilty of this as well, we tend to minimize uh, the inner stuff that God does, and we, we tend to prioritize uh, the outward conformity, the outward behaviors, uh, making sure that we're following the rules and doing the right things, and of course those things matter, but uh, when we do it at the expense of ignoring what's happening inside of us, we're actually approaching things backwards from how God approaches the restoration of our lives. Uh, Jesus said it like this, the issues or the matters of life flow out of the heart. Uh, hear that again, uh, the issues of our lives, the obstacles we run into, the barriers that we can't seem to break through, all of those things, Jesus said, come out of uh, within us. And it's that very part that God directs his powerful attention. Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says this, the purposes 
or the thoughts or the intentions of a person's heart are like deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. It's a picture of a a very deep well. And it's like, I know there's water down there somewhere. And we keep lowering, lowering, lowering until finally we find what are those motives? What are those intentions that lie within? Some of the other translations of Proverbs 20, verse 5 say, a person's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. Uh, God's word translation says a motive in the human heart is like deep water and a person who has understanding uh, brings it to the surface. And I came across a, a book recently and uh, it's called um, Emotional, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I love the subtitle of this book. It says it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Hear that again. Maybe you don't agree with it. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And uh, interestingly, this uh, book was written by a a leader of a great church in New York. His name is uh, Scazzaro, Peter Scazzaro. And uh, his, uh, by his own admission, he had a big church, but his relationships were really small. And uh, he, he, by his own, again, by his own admission, uh, here's one of his quotes. When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. When we overlook uh, what needs to be repaired on the inside of us, we become less and less human, according to uh, Pastor Scazzaro. Uh, We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Uh, Sad to say, that is the fruit of much of our discipleship in our churches. And uh, I happen to agree with that, that if we're overlooking our inner world, uh, where Jesus said the issues of life come out of, and certainly the quality of our relationships, uh, if we're overlooking that aspect of our following Jesus, we're really overlooking what matters the most. Uh, St. Augustine uh, wrote in his confessions as far back as AD 400, that was a few years ago, uh, here's what he wrote. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can we experience nearness to God when we are far from our own selves. And so he prayed this prayer. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Uh, uh, Here's another writing, St. Teresa of Abia. She wrote in the 1500s this insight. Almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-understanding. That's a crazy important statement. Almost all problems in our spiritual lives stem from a lack of self-knowledge or self-awareness. Again, Jesus would say it like this. Take the log out of your own eye before you ever attempt to help your brother remove a speck from his. Take the log out of our own eye. Tend to uh, those conditions in ourselves that need God's touch and repair that need to be sanctified through and through. And uh, look to God. He is faithful. 
he will help us with this. Uh, I happen to believe uh, this truth. It was uh, one that was shared by a good friend and mentor of mine. Uh, Here's the truth. The greatest gift you can bring to your family and to your world, the greatest gift is a healthy you. That's, again, an incredibly important statement. The greatest gift I can bring to the world and to my marriage and to my parenting and my neighboring and all of my other relationships is a healthy me. Because the truth is an unhealthy me propagates brokenness and unhealth. Uh, Listen to this prayer. Again, where the Apostle Paul is praying for this kind of inner work that God would do in these people who have realized that Jesus is the way and they're on the journey. Here's what he prays. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. In other words, our families are sourced in God. And so Paul is appealing uh, to God, who is the creator of all families. And he says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, you think God has some riches as, at his disposal? The God of all creation, the God who, who spoke the universe into existence, Paul appeals to him to access his glorious riches that he might strengthen you with power through his spirit. This sounds like something really special is about to happen that the God of all creation would access his wealth of riches and spiritual power and do something amazing by his spirit. And here's what it is, that he would strengthen you in your inner being, that your inner being would be mended, would be made vital and whole, and that the, the sickness and the brokenness would be touched in a miraculous way so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that the character and the wonderful, glorious, renewing presence of Jesus may be all over our interior life. Uh, That would be an amazing gift, wouldn't it? If if God could so touch us right now in a moment and do something so powerful that we would not just believe in Christ, but his living presence would saturate us from the inside out. He goes on. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have uh, power or the ability together with all God's people. There's that relationship component uh, uh, to grasp, to actually experience, to know, to live out how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge in order that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's an incredible prayer. And uh, if, you, if you read that prayer and work it backwards, and you say, well, if, if God doesn't do this amazing, miraculous work by his spirit in our inner person, then what we are left with is a, is a life that doesn't really experience the presence of Jesus. We're just kind of making a go of it by what we know rather than what we experience of his presence in our lives. Uh, we're not rooted and established in love. There's no foundation And therefore, we can explore the height and depth and width and breadth of the love of Christ. And the ultimate outcome, if God doesn't do this powerful work on the inside of us, is that we are not filled with the riches of the fullness of God. We will never find our family fortune if we ignore the the restoration that needs to happen 
within us. Uh, and so I want to, uh, as we begin to lead towards a, a prayer and an invitation for God to do this very thing in us and for us to align with that will of God for our lives, um, want to look at uh, an amazing psalm. It's uh, Psalm 139, and some people who've studied this psalm, they contend that it's the greatest psalm in the Bible. Uh, you know, of all the, the amazing writings, Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd, the Shepherd Psalm, uh, and all the others, that this one, Psalm 139, expresses the greatest truths about our God. Listen to what the psalmist David writes. Uh, God, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And so he begins right away that uh, you know God has this incredible, unrivaled awareness of how David's life is put together. He says, you know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you understand my going out and my lying down. Uh, you are familiar with all of my ways, David said. He's beginning to marvel that, that God knows him better than anyone could possibly know another person. He, he goes on, he says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand. What's Paul, David saying? There's nowhere I could go. There's nothing I could do that you are not with me and you are not aware of what's happening uh, in me at a very deep and level. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. In other words, it it pops my brain circuits. I can't get my head around how all-encompassing God is and how deeply he knows me. He, he goes on and says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Uh, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. And so he's beginning to realize that there's no choice I could make. There's no place I could go. There's no activity I could be immersed in that you're not there with me. And this, this knowledge begins to uh, overwhelm uh, David. And he goes back to his very beginnings. Verse 13, for you created my innermost being. See, there's that emphasis again. It's not the outward, but it's the interior life that God is putting his finger on. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Uh, my frame, David says, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Verse 17, he concludes, How precious to me, God, how amazing to me are your thoughts about me. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And as I, as I read through these beautiful words uh, again this past week, I was reminded of the statement, the one who knows me best loves me the most. And that's really what David is marveling in here, is that the one who chronicled all of his days before one of them came to be, the one who knit him together in his secret most parts, the one who knows his traits and his tendencies and the things he inherited and the choices 
that he made at every point along in his life, whether he was a year old or, or 20 years old, God was there before and during and after and all over uh, those things. And um, David ends with this invitation, which is what I want to invite uh, all of us to this weekend as you hear this message. Uh, verse 23, he concludes, uh, God, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. What is David asking for? He's saying, God, you know me so deeply. I want you to bring to light those things that are hurtful in me. Uh, bring to light those things that are broken, those things that need your miraculous touch, that need to be restored, uh, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in a way that is everlasting, that is more lasting, and that will bring more of your goodness into our lives. You know, uh, much of my life, uh, I would have considered myself an emotional Neanderthal. I really didn't see a lot of purpose in sifting through uh, my hurts and pains and fears and brokenness and defensiveness and all the things that, as Jesus said, formed the nature of uh, the issues of my life that were happening on the inside. But at some point, uh, we've got to wake up, much like that pastor who wrote the book uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality uh, for him, when his relationships, uh, one after another, were just growing empty. He had a wake-up call. Uh, one Sunday, his wife got up and she said, you know what, I don't want to go to your church anymore. And he was stunned. He was staggered. How in the world could something that had captured all of his effort and interest and attention become so empty and meaningless uh, to his wife? And he began to realize that he wasn't allowing God to address the things that really mattered in his heart that dictated the nature of his relationships. And uh, I want to invite you to not make that mistake. And uh, in fact, I want to, I want to, before I pray for us, I want to give us some homework that we could take the next step in responding to the truths that we've looked at in this message. So here are some, some homework that I would offer to you to to help you uh, put into practice this focus that we've uh, put out in front of us this weekend. Number one, agree with God's inside-out priorities this week. Just, just make a decision that what's happening in my inner world is extremely important to my relationships, uh, to my relationship with God, and my relationship if I'm married with my spouse, and if I have children in my parenting, God's priority of, of doing a miraculous and powerful work on the inside of us matters a lot. Number two, spend some time, uh, alone time with God every day. Just find a way, whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes, spend some alone time. I would say quiet time, uh, solitude time, with God. I came across a book this week, not even a Christian book, more of a kind of a secular success book. But here was the, the title, The Miracle Morning. And it was all about, uh, uh, wrong book title there. Uh, the Miracle Morning, the focus was on uh, if you will just spend some solitude time each morning before you start your day, it'll be amazing the impact this can have on your 
dealings uh, in the world, but how much more true that is when that solitude time is with the God who created us, who knows us and better than anyone and, and knows those things that are hindering our progress in life. Number three, uh, when you're agreeing that God's inside our priorities are what matter most and you're spending some alone time with him, pay attention to what you feel. Pay attention to what is stressing you out. What is making you mad? What is causing you to be unsettled? What makes you feel lonely? Or on the other side, what do you feel joyful and happy and grateful for? Pay attention to what you feel. And and here's the key. Ask a few good questions. You know, uh, we don't ask enough good questions about what's going on in our inner world. But uh, uh, again, here's another book I came across this week. And this one was called a more beautiful question. You know, most of us, when we're struggling with something, we tend to ask the why question. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? And for most of us, we know we usually don't get an answer to the why question. But a more beautiful question suggests this. What is this telling me about myself? Why does this make me feel sad? Why does this make me feel mad? Why is this irritating me? Uh, Why is this making me feel lonely? Why is this causing me to feel hopeless? And usually when we ask a more beautiful question, uh, we transition into how could this be used in my life? How could I grow through this situation? What could this be telling me about myself that God would want to touch and heal and bring restoration in? And then uh, finally, this fourth fourth, uh, action step. Uh, Expect God to show up and expect God to do what only he can do. See, uh, that was the perspective of the New Testament writers, the followers of Jesus, is that he is faithful. And he will begin a good work in us. And if he is restoring and sanctifying and rebuilding us at every level of our personhood, then he is involved in that. In fact, he is working miraculously by his spirit to do something powerful in our inner person every time we come before him in sincerity and in truth. Uh, Would you pray with me? Uh, You know, as we're praying, uh, I just want to state clearly Jesus Christ is the one who makes this transformation possible. In fact, uh, Paul would write in in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And that's something that begins the day we say yes to Jesus and begin to follow uh, in his footsteps. Uh, Jesus said, Um, If anyone calls upon me, I'll give them the right to become children of God. And he initiates that work of transformation that really has no end until we see him face to face. And so uh, I want to ask as we pray, uh, is there anyone hearing these words who says, yeah, I need what Jesus can do. I need that transformation that changes my world from the inside out that allows me to begin to experience uh, his creative purpose in my life. And so uh, I want to just encourage you say, Jesus, I need you. Uh, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. 
Help me become that new creation in you, and I choose from this day forward uh, to follow you, to lean into you, to learn from you, and to invite you to make my life an exploration, an exploration of the height and depth and width and breadth of the love that you have for me. And uh, Father, I pray for all of us. Uh, you are the one who gives families uh, their origin. Lord, uh, everything that we desire in our relationships, everything that we desire in our relationship with you uh, comes from your hand. Uh, you are the father from whom every family derives its name. And God, I ask that right now by your spirit, uh, you would work something in us that uh, aligns us with your inside out priority of living. And that Lord, if we found a way to minimize that solitude, that time when we quiet our hearts and align ourselves as King David did, say, God, you have searched me. You know me. Uh, you know the intricacies of my life. You know uh, the things that drive my fears and my addictions and my behaviors. Lord, there was never a thing that happened to me or that I walked through that you weren't there with me. And such marvelous may be too lofty, for, such uh, wisdom and knowledge may be too lofty for us to attain. But Lord, your word says it's true. And so we invite you in your all-encompassing presence right now to draw us close to yourself, uh, settle our anxious thoughts. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would find a way to be with you this week, to allow you to breathe that strength and that health and that restoration into our innermost person where all of life, uh, life's issues find their origin. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.